50th high school reunion. <laughs> Where did it go? I thought I was 17 still, but it's not that way. We're going to be reading from the book of Psalms, Psalm 52. Uh, I know that's not in your bulletin, but we've uh, Steve had a change, and uh, we're going to go with that. So if you brought a Bible with you, if you turn to Psalm 52, if you didn't, there should be a Bible in the pew rack in front of you. Or if you simply want to listen to the Word of God, you may do so. So we're going to start verse 1, Psalm 52. Why do you boast in evil, O mighty man? The goodness of God endures continually. Your tongue devises destruction like a sharp razor working deceitfully. You love evil more than good, lying rather than speaking righteousness. You love all devouring words, you deceitful tongue. God shall likewise destroy you forever. He shall take you away and pluck you out of your dwelling place and uproot you from the land of the living. The righteous also shall see and fear and shall laugh at him, saying, He is the man who did not make God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches, and he strengthened himself in his wickedness. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. I will praise you forever because you have done it. And in the presence of your saints, I will wait on your name for it is good. Let's pray. Father, we see these people around us everywhere that depend on themselves. They are out for number one. They think there is no God, no retribution, no answer for anything they do. Their whole world is about lying and deceit and taking and grabbing and holding and everything is that to them. But you have told us to be the very opposite, to look to you to not to ourselves, to trust in your riches not the riches of this world, to build our lives on your promises, on your truths, to live our lives to honor you and wait for your reward in the next life. So I pray that you might work in the hearts of the people who are the former to show them how foolish they are that they need to turn to you, that they need to depend on you, they need to accept your grace and your mercy and your salvation, and that you would help us to see ourselves as that green plant in your house, that you are watering and feeding and nurturing and taking care of, and to praise you among these, everyone else, and say, this is what God is doing in my life. This is the God that I serve. This is the awesome God who loves me and cares for me. That they can see our life and understand. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Good morning. Glad to see each one of you here today on this Lord's Day, also this Mother's Day. I'll get to you mothers in a minute. But uh, on Friday, Marcia told me she had read Psalm 52. She says, you need to read it. I said, okay, I'll read it. And I didn't, I didn't get to it maybe on, on Saturday. I says, oh, man, this is good. Because I'm watching what's going on in the world and says, this is really bad what's happening in the world. And this psalm really applies. And I need to take this to heart. And I need to let the people in the church know about this, too. So that's why then I called Steve later yesterday afternoon and says, hey, uh, we got to do a switch in the reading. But it really is good. The first four verses talk about the evil of the wicked and then the next three talk about God's judgment upon them. And the final two then talk about you, what you're to do in view of what's going on. And it basically talks about love and talks about faith and waiting on God. So just basic things and that God's going to cause you to flourish. So it's very, very helpful verses because I'm very much aware of what's happening, whether it's on our southern border or what's happening on the streets. Or all kinds of different things happening overseas as well. So we need, to, we need psalms like that. And there's many more like it. In fact, I had just read Psalm 92, which is similar to 52. And, and 52 and 92, there are only two psalms I know of that are so clearly talk about 
eternal um, consequences. So you read Psalm 52, and it says, I will destroy you forever. That's hell for the unbelievers. I will destroy you forever. And so you don't have a lot of language like that in the Psalms, but 92 has a very, very uh, similar uh, truth there. But anyway, I just wanted to share that, take that to heart, read it yourself, because you need that. You really need verses like that when things seem, as some people say, crazy or insane, or what's going on, what are people doing? It's just, it really is un- unbelievable. That will help you, okay? So, okay, now to the mothers. Um, I just wanted to share a few thoughts. I just had some words to share about mothers. And, and in fact, before I even get to that, I was um, just glancing at First Timothy 5, 1 and 2, and it's talking about older believers, men and women. And it says, appeal to the you know, older men as fathers, the older women as mothers. And so maybe there's some of you here who are women and are older and you have no actual physical children. Well, you can be mothering, okay, in a spiritual sense, okay? That, I think that's important to understand. Anyway, back to mothers. Um, what are mothers' qualities of mothers? I'm just going to give you 10. There's could be many of another 10, I'm sure. But first of all, they're, they're ones who love. Uh, a mother is one who loves children too she is humble um, because she has to give up what she wants to do she's one who serves third she's one who's forgiving because children aren't perfect and you got to be forgiving towards your children fourth patience and similar to forgiving because again they're just not always doing things right and you're patient and you're patient for years and years and years fifth you pray for them for God to intervene because as a mother you can do certain things and have certain influences, but really it's God who does the most important things. And, and next, wisdom, you know, what to do, what to say, what not to do, what not to say, because sometimes as mothers it's what you do and sometimes it's what you don't do. Sometimes it's what you say, sometimes you don't say, you hold your tongue. And next, it's, it's, it's work. It's work. It's not a you know nine to five job. It's a twenty four seven job, and it goes on for um, years and years and years. And next, with that, these are all sort of related. A sacrifice. Uh, a mother can't do everything that she wants to do. I know my daughter Laura, who's about nineteen weeks along now, will be expecting a child. I think to believe the first week of October, realizes that, and even is doing certain things this year. They're having, in fact, this Thursday. They're her and her siblings, James and, and Marianne, they're in case in the Lord. They're all flying to Chicago to have a siblings trip because they won't be able to do it that easy after this. So they're going to get together this weekend for that. Uh, it's, it's perseverance. It's going through the years. It's just perseverance, perseverance, perseverance. And it's, it's faith. It's, again, and this relates to prayer. It's believing and trusting God that God is working, that, hey, you're a mother, and you can do so many things, but say, God, I can't do it all. you got to come through for me in ways that I can't. So there's that faith element that's very, very important. And, and with that, too, there's an element for mothers, and I can't help but think that all of you here who are mothers who are older, have physical children. You're maybe a mother, maybe a grandmother, maybe a great-grandmother, but you never forget. At least I think that's true for most mothers. They just don't forget their children. I, I know that's true for my wife because she'll talk about our children, and it's probably true that she thinks about the children more than I do. I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying maybe that's more of a mother thing. She thinks about them a lot. She's praying for them every day, and sometimes I'm not quite that way. So, But anyway, it's a never-forget attitude that's important. And so, um, but, but the thing I have to say is that being a mother, it, it's, all these things here, is a blessing, it's especially you raise children, and, and we see that more with our children now who are older. They're a blessing in our lives, and you see that blessing. And just, you know, they're older and they're, they're smarter and wiser and you talk and have good conversations and they help you out to give counsel, insight. And, and so it's just a blessing in many ways. I'm not going to go into that. But the thing I want to say here, I, I, I need to say this, I mean, this is all obvious, is that, that uh, parenting, uh, being a good mother and being a good father is, is definitely under attack. We all understand spiritual nature of things. We understand that, that this country, and you see it. I, I'm not going to give you examples, but I've heard more and more things, uh, whether it relates to schools or political things, where the, they want to have more charge over the, the children. And, of course, this is what happened in communist China 
uh, 60, 70 years ago back starting in Russia, uh, 90, 100 years ago, where they really started taking over with the children. In fact, when I heard this lady, she was back there in the Chinese Revolution back in the 60s, and she said, in some places in China, they actually stopped school for two years, in some places three or four years, and the reason they stopped school was so they could re-indoctrinate, reteach the teachers so the teachers then could teach the children the ways of communism, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just really sad. So I mean, we understand that. But that is what's going on in our country. There are certain people in this country that want to do that right here, OK? This, this country is under attack and being judged. And I write about this in my blog much more so than ever, ever before. There's no doubt about it. And one of the main places, one of the main places then is with the parenting. In fact, if I would tell you to pray, we talk about praying for authorities and and First Timothy two, and sometimes, sometimes we think, well, that just is, is you know, the government. No, 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 that's not it. It's just in general. First says pray for authority. I think a three P's, three P's: parents first, secondly pastors, third the politicians. Pray, and I would do every day. Pray for the parents in this church. Pray for the parents in this country. Pray for the pastors here, us, and then pray for. A politician, but that's what's really important. But pray because they are under attack, and we need to pray for them. So the ones that are in this church and the ones that are all over the country, it is such an important job. And and one of the reasons that we have problems in our country, we can say a lot of things and we can blame the politicians, but it's more so, it's more so the problem goes back to the parenting, the lack of good parenting, and the lack of good pastoring. That's really it. Okay, I'm going to blame those people first. I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying in general. Okay. And the devil attacks, and he is attacking, and it's obvious what he's trying to do in our lives, in our country. So anyway, but, but he'll come through. God's in charge. He'll work it out. But let, I just want to take a minute and pray. Father, we do thank you for, again, this time. We do want to pray for the parents and particularly pray for the mothers. I pray for the ones in this church here, Lord, whether they have children at home now, whether their children are gone, or whether they have grandchildren or great-grandchildren. I just thank you for them, God, for their lives, their their, their, their service, their humility, their faith, their just perseverance and continuing on. It is not easy to be a good parent. To be a bad parent, yeah, I just sort of take it easy and who knows what happens. But to be a good parent, it's by the grace of God. And it's by, the, 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 the again, the God's spirit working in us. But I just pray that you would help the ones in this room, again, whether they're older and still helping their children or their grandchildren or whatever. And I pray for good mothers all over this country because that's important. And we've seen this. We've seen this in the last couple of years, particularly as it relates to the schools in our country where mothers are taking a stand as they hear about the really evil things being taught in schools. And so we do pray that, God, that you would have mercy on us in that way, Lord, specifically here in this church and this city, but also over the whole entire country, knowing, God, that the, the victory and changes that take place relate to being a good parent. And it's a job. It's... Some things in life, you know, people, they just, they, they just don't have much time or patience. And, but being a good mother takes years and years and years. And yes, as parents, we slip and fall. We don't always do things right. But God, thank you for the mercy you give us and the strength and the grace. For the ones here, Lord, again, for once in churches all over, Christian parents and for parents all over, we thank you again. We pray all this now in Jesus' name. Amen. The last point that I mentioned about mothers was faith because I wanted that to segue to our subject today and I believe for the next couple weeks, three weeks here running for uh, this important subject here. But it's, 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 it's absolutely necessary for your Christian life. Faith is that. As it says Galatians 5, 6, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says you to walk by faith, not by sight. And so as you go through life, you need to have faith. You need to walk by faith. You need to live by faith. You can't live the Christian life apart from faith. Everything that you say or do is to be done in faith, by faith. That's what we understand. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Makes it very clear then, and this is what's most important pleasing God, honoring God, giving glory to him. The only way to please God, to honor God, then, is to trust him. That's it. You can't please God. You can't honor God if you don't have faith. So we see it's, it's paramount. What do we learn about faith from Hebrews eleven six? People who have faith believe that God exists. 
If you have faith, you believe that God is alive. Okay? Atheists, of course, we know this. It's obvious they don't have faith. They don't believe that God lives. They don't believe that he's alive. And, of course, there's unbelievers. And practically, I say practically, because an unbeliever might say he believes in God, but if he's not a believer, he's not believing in God. He's an unbeliever. He's not believing in the truth of the living God having effect and power in in his own life. But the one who has faith also believes then that God is greater than himself, that he's more powerful than himself. We go to Hebrews 11.3, and it says, by faith we understand that the world um, world was um, prepared by the word of God. That is, that is a person who has faith, believes that God exists, believes that God made him and made the entire world, believes that God is the creator. And a person who has faith, believes that God can reward him, and that God can bless him. That's what Hebrews 11, 6 says. Not only that, he believes that God wants to reward him. Very important. We'll talk more about this later. God can reward him, and that God wants to reward him, and that God wants to bless him. And people who have faith then aren't looking to themselves or other people or other things. We, those verses in Psalm 52 that Steve read, it talked about the, 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 the people, unbelievers, trusting in their riches. And then you go later, then it talks about the believers being ones who trust in God's unfailing love forever. So there's a difference, okay? There's a kind of faith, yes. There's that kind of faith where people trust in themselves or trust in others. We understand that. That happens all the time. And in, and in some ways, you know, you, there's got to be some of that even for the believers because you've got to trust somebody if you're working with them or whatever, or you have a husband or wife. There's got to be an element of trust, but I'm not talking about that kind of trust. It does say about this wrong kind of faith. It says, he trust the right tribe. This is, this is Proverbs 28, 5 and 6. He who trusts in the Lord will prosper. He who trusts in his own, own heart is a fool. It's very strong that when it comes down to it, if you don't trust God but trust yourself, you are a fool. Very clear. Very clear that it's not the right thing to do. Now, people, of course, who have faith have a relationship with God. This is what we see in, in Hebrews, Hebrews 11. Five, probably as much as any verse says it talks about Enoch it says he lived by faith specifically says he walked with God I mean that's having this relationship with God and, and all of Hebrews 11 really is about these believers men and women who had this relationship with God and they believed then that God could bless them that God wanted to use them that's what they believed that they had that kind of faith they expected that we have Abraham that example he had faith it says he was looking for the city with the foundations of course is the heavenly city the city to come then we have Moses that says he was endured ill treatment because he was looking to the future. He was expecting to be rewarded by God. So, And there's example after example. It's just a wonderful chapter, and we're not going to go through it today. I'm just going to share these few things from it. But Hebrews 11.1 1 says Hebrew is assurance, faith, rather. Hebrews 11 says faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So having faith then means you're convinced. You're assured. Faith, then, isn't wishy-washy. We know what James 1, 6 says. It says we must ask in faith without doubting. We all understand that element. Sometimes we're before the Lord of things in life, and we're up and down in our faith. We're wishy-washy. We're doubting, and it's, we understand that. But God says true faith is that which has this conviction, this assurance. That's what God wants for us. And... He wants us to be ones who are certain, expecting, who are looking to him to bless them, to come through for us in ways or another. That, that's the whole theme. I mean, what we're talking about today, faith, really is a top five message in this respect. If I can talk about what are the five most important things for a Christian in their life, I'd say faith is one of those five. So this is a critical message. That's why we're taking three weeks, because I, I was thinking of just doing one week. and said, man, I can't do one week, two weeks. Oh, two weeks. No, no, three weeks. We need, we're going to keep going over this, and we're going to hit it backwards and forwards and inside and out, because you need to understand this faith and how paramount it is for each of your lives. What I want to do, though, my focus these next few weeks is really looking at the Gospels, not, not looking at the Old Testament so much, a little bit, but more of the Gospels. That's what I want to do. And, and what you'll see is, 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 is look at the Gospels, and I don't know if you realize how many verses there are on faith in the Gospels. And, and I believe as we go through this time, you'll see there's a lot of verses. And again, we understand the general principle that the more truth there is in the Bible about a particular subject means it's really important. It's really important. We also understand that Jesus really wants, God really wants you to have faith. And he really wants to bless you. So we're talking about being blessed. We're talking about how God can use you. And apart from faith, you really can't. 
So this message then, in, in essence, fundamentally then, is between, is about you and God, okay? We're not talking about you and others today. We're talking about you and God. This is your relationship with God that we're talking about. And every one of you are at a certain place in life, whether you're old or middle-aged or, you know, young. And God, if you're a believer, he has given you faith, okay? But we also see, and I mentioned this last week, that when we look at the Gospels, there's four kinds of people. There's people that have no faith, and that particularly, that specifically, of course, an unbeliever. There's a person that has faith. There's people we read about just have faith. And then there's the people that have little faith, and the people that have great faith. That's it, okay? So uh, as a believer, you're in one of those categories. But particularly, you're probably more in a little faith or great faith category. But you all have faith. We understand that, okay? So let's begin. I'm going to read some passages um, I'll probably read most of the passages today. Some I will not. The first one I will not. This is the one from Matthew 8, 5 to 13. You can look at this yourself. It's about the centurion. And I, and I can't help but think that if you've been around church for a number of years, you probably know most of these stories already. Okay, so you know a lot of these lessons, but some of this is review, but some of this is going to be brand new for you. A centurion had a servant who was paralyzed. This centurion was, again, a soldier. Uh, typically, they're ones who had 100 men under them. That's the idea. It might have been less or more, but, you know, they weren't just a soldier. They just didn't have 10 men. They had quite a few men under them. They were an important person. But this centurion is one who had a servant who was paralyzed, and he had heard about this Jesus. Um, he had heard that this Jesus could heal people, and so he wanted his servant healed, and so Jesus comes to town, his town. And, and you think about this. It's interesting because... Nowadays, with our media, you know, you know, you hear about some person, some famous person. Oh, he's over in that city. He's over in that state. They just heard about him. They didn't have phones or you know, smartphones. Hey, he's coming to your. He just all of a sudden, well, he's here. He's here. You know, and you drop everything. Let's go see Jesus. So he said, "I'm going to go see Jesus. My servant is paralyzed," and he begged Jesus to heal his servant. That's that's what happened. And so Jesus said he would come to his house and heal his servant, but. Uh, the centurion's servant, but the centurion said he was unworthy. I'm not worthy. And it's just, say the word. He'll be healed. And, and so then what happened is Jesus marveled at this. And, 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 he, and he's, he's, he said this. He said, truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. And that's a profound statement. I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith as you. This is number one. Wow. So the, the question is this, and I just have a few thoughts, but, but why did this man have such great faith? Why did Jesus say that? First, we see that this certain felt, certain centurion felt unworthy, which means he was humility. And humility is that which precedes faith, is foundational to faith. You can't have faith if you don't have humility. He was humble. He didn't see himself as this great centurion. He didn't see himself as this great person. He didn't see himself as this Jew, and of course he wasn't a Jew, we know that. But, but here's the point, and this is one of the bottom line central features of faith. This centurion was saying, help me, not because of who I am, but because of who you are. And so if you have faith, you're saying to God, help me, not because of who I am, but because of who you are. We know the verse, I've shared it many times, Psalm 910, those who know thy name put their trust in thee. That is one of the keys to having faith is to know the character of God. Those who know thy name, know thy character, then will put their trust in thee. And so that's it. Humility leads to this. And that's what we're saying there. He saw Jesus as being this great person who could really help him. But, man, I'm unworthy. That's how he's thinking. Second, a person who has faith is in need. And this centurion is looking to Jesus to help him to meet his need, particularly, of course, that need was that his servant was, was paralyzed or so. So that's the second thing. A person has to see them in need. And that, that sort of follows being humble. A humble person is humble. They, they're in need and they want help. Thirdly, then, the centurion didn't need Jesus to physically come to his house, okay? Didn't need him. He just says, say the word. You just say the word, and, and, and my servant will be healed. And what that means, then, is this centurion, understand this Jesus. Man, he's omniscient. He, he doesn't even need to see my servant. He, he knows who he is. He knows who he is, and he knows his specific condition, how bad he is. He doesn't need, like, a doctor. The doctor comes in and does all this checking out and diagnosis. And Jesus knew. So 
Not only that, though, but Jesus had the power. And see, Centurion understood being a soldier because a soldier is one who took orders, a ranking soldier gave orders, and Centurion is one who gave orders. He says, hey, Jesus, you need to say the order. And, you know, a centurion would think, hey, if I give the order, it's going to be done. Because if it's not done, that person's going to be who knows what to do to the soldier underneath them. The soldiers understood that. So he understood what Jesus was like. Jesus got to just say the order. That's all. He said the order. And so that's what he was expecting him to do. And then, of course, we read that this servant was healed at that very moment. At that very moment is when it happened. It wasn't a matter of a, a day or two later. At that very moment, he healed him. But this is the one question. I'm just going to mention this briefly, and it's an important one, though. Is it's the whole question of, of where are you at with your faith? Do you have great faith? We're going to talk a little more later about little faith. You have great faith or little faith or someplace in between. Don't you think that God would want you to have great faith? Of course he would. So, so, the, so the question is simple. Wherever you're at in life, whether you have little faith or medium faith, you know, just say, Lord, help me to have great faith. And if I have, you have great faith, have greater faith, okay? Just ask God for that. That's all I'm saying. And, and that's a good prayer. And, and God can do that. He can help you because God's the one. If anything good happens in your life, it's because God's the one who helps you by his grace, by his Holy Spirit then to, in this particular situation, have great faith. Okay, the second example. Turn to Matthew chapter 8, Matthew chapter 8 23 to 27. Matthew chapter 8, 23 to 27. When Jesus got into the boat, his disciples followed him. Behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being covered with the waves, but Jesus himself was asleep. They came to him, woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. He said to them, why are you afraid, you men of little faith? And he got up, rebuked the winds and the sea, and it became perfectly calm. The men were amazed and said, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? So a few things we learn here. First of all, these men had little faith. And I would probably think that that describes some of us here. We have little faith. person has little faith. Not a lot of faith, not great faith. And these disciples here, and he's talking to them, and his goal is to raise them up to be really godly men, men of the great faith, and I'm sure that's what happened later on in their lives, but not at this time. They were men of little faith. Second point here is this. Mark 35, Jesus said, let us go over to the other side. That's what he said. They got in the boat. We're going to the other side. That's what Jesus said. So what we have here, the storm comes up, and his disciples doubt Jesus' word because Jesus said, we're going to the other side. They should have believed what he said. We're going the other side. They didn't. They doubted. Oh, Jesus wasn't telling the truth. We're going to die here in this storm with these winds and the waves. You know, they, they, they were very, very, very much afraid. Third, they didn't need to be afraid. Why? Because Jesus was with them. A person who is afraid, one of the components of fear is he doesn't have faith. What he's doing, he's looking at the circumstances He's not looking to the Lord. This is very applicable. I mean, this will probably happen to all of you this week. Something will happen, you'll be getting a little fear. There'll be some kind of circumstance. It could be personal, it could be financial, it could be relational, it could be something going on in the world. You look at the circumstances, whoa, and you have a, you're very afraid. All of you have fear to some degree. Some of you might have a lot of fear. Some of you have not much fear, but all of you have fear, and it happens because you're looking at the circumstance, but not looking at the Lord. You have to learn when you see circumstances and that fear starts creeping in your heart. Okay, I gotta look to the Lord. And maybe even gonna close your eyes. Okay, Lord, I gotta look to you. Get my eyes off this. I gotta look to you. And sometimes that's a struggle. I understand that. You know, Lord, I'm trying to get my eyes off. This problem keeps coming back in my mind. You try. God help me to look to you. That's a key element of faith is looking to the Lord. It's basic, it's simple, it's, it's important that you do this, okay? Turn to Psalm 56. Psalm 56, there's a, a couple of really good passages. I'm sure there's many more than this, but I'm just going to read a couple here. Psalm 56, 3 and 4. 56, 3 and 4 says it very plainly. And this is a good verse you can memorize. This is a short verse to memorize. Verse 3 Psalm 56, 
When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God, I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? Here he's talking about fear of man, okay? Great verses. Turn to Psalm 112. I, I like how it says it here. Verses 6 through 8. 112, verse 6. He will never be shaken. That's, that's pretty amazing. Never have fear. The righteous will be remembered forever. He will not fear evil tidings. I like how the NIV says he will not be afraid of bad news. We, always, we hear bad news every day. He'll not be afraid of evil tidings. Not be afraid of it, no. It says his heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is upheld. He will not fear until he looks with satisfaction on his adversaries. Again, the whole idea of faith basically drives out fear. That's what it does. Continue on, just some points from these verses here about faith. Fourth, I don't, believe, I don't think these men believe that Jesus knew what was going on. He's asleep, which is sort of an interesting thing. This storm going on, and he's asleep. I said, man, he was really tired, but he's asleep. He had his head on the cushion there in the boat. And he knew what was going on. He knew very well what was going on. And the point is this, is sometimes we can think, God, you don't know what's going on. You just ignore my situation. You know, you, you don't know. He does know. He knows everything that happens in your life. He knows everything that's happened in all our lives. He knows everything that happened to everybody in the whole world. Everything he knows, every little detail. He knows more of what's going on in your life than you do. Okay? He knows. But the next point is important. These men really didn't believe that Jesus cared for them. We go to Mark 4.38. Disciples say, Teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? Don't you care? And so part of it, our problem sometimes, we go through some difficulty and we think, He don't care. Doesn't he see? And maybe it's been something going on for days or weeks or who knows how long. See, what we're talking about here is sometimes difficulties. Like this boat ride lasted, what, half an hour, an hour, I don't know how long. You might have a one-minute trial. You might have a five-minute trial. You might have a one-day trial, a one-week trial. You know, I'm just getting over a cold, okay? It's a one-week trial. It's, it's about all done. One week, okay? Trust in the Lord. Sometimes you have lifetime trials, chronic trials, health trials, okay? And so there's different things going on here. And God knows he cares. He cares for you, whatever you're going through. So this is an important component of faith, that you believe that Jesus loves you and cares for you and that he will come through for you. Okay? That's it. Final one is this. Jesus, test your faith. Their faith was being tested. And I'll talk more about this a little bit later. But God puts each of you very uniquely so. Each of you, trials are unique and are different. As it says in 1 Peter 1, there's a various... And sometimes you probably laugh thinking, well, that's a very unique kind of trial that I had to go through. All kinds of trials, but they're to test you. And, and what we're saying here, he puts you in a difficult situation that is more than you can handle. He says, man, I, I, this is way above me. He does that. Sometimes trials are difficult. And you, oh, I think I can figure this out. You don't trust the Lord. You should trust the Lord in every trial, but oh, I, I can get through this. Our mind sort of goes that way. But sometimes it is, oh, this is way above what I could ever think of getting figured out. So he puts you, and that was this one here. This is, man, they're gonna, we're going to die. And it's flooding with water here, the winds and the waves. So that's, that's what was going on. But he does this again because he wants you to grow in your faith, and he never gives you more than you can handle by trusting him, that is. Okay? We continue. Back to Matthew. Go to Matthew 9. Next story. And again, you're going to see that there's story after story in the Gospels about faith. 9, 20 to 23. A woman who had been hemorrhaging, suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years came up behind Jesus, touched the fringe of his cloak. He, she was saying to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will get well. But Jesus, turning and seeing her, said, daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. And once the woman was made well, okay? 
So the woman been suffering this from this, this hemorrhage. She'd been bleeding for 12 long years. That's a long time. That's a chronic health condition there. She heard about Jesus healing people, and she was desperate, and she believed that Jesus could heal. She was thinking to herself, you know, if I can just touch the fringe, the edge of his garment, I'll get healed. That's what she was thinking. Okay. And, of course, in her own mind, you know, she had this problem, this condition. She didn't want to make a scene. She didn't make any kind of commotion. She didn't want to, hey, Jesus, help me. She just wanted to be quiet and get healed and stuff, and she believed that if she could just touch his garment, she'd be healed. That's what she wanted. But the crowds were pressing. That's what the text tells us there. She had to fight her way through the crowd. She got through the crowd. She touched his garment, and she was healed. Well, the, the next thing, what Jesus said, I was, that's like this. It's not verses quite like this. Someone did touch me, for I was aware that power went out from me. I like that, which is true. You know, you think about this in your own relationship with the Lord. Is God come through for you? Power comes from the Lord to help you in your particular situation. So it's, just, it's encouraging. But so the people then, Jesus realized that she was the one who had been healed. And, of course, now this woman, she had been found out, you know, and she's trembling. She comes to Jesus. She falls at his feet, you know. And so she, too, then, she's like this centurion. She's got this humility, okay. She bows before the Lord. Habakkuk, Habakkuk 2.4 says this. It says, as for the proud one, his soul is not right with him, but the righteous will live by his faith. Again, making it clear that proud people can't have faith because they're trusting in themselves. They're not trusting in God. That's one of the definitions of a proud person. They look at themselves. And even for yourself sometimes, if you're in maybe just a little situation and, okay, I'll figure that out. You're trusting in yourself. Don't do that. That's pride, okay? Humility means, okay, God, you've got to help me. Even this little said, you've got to come through for me here. Trusting him. That's what we're saying. So humility then is a, is a key then. It's, it's foundational to having faith. Habakkuk says this. So, so uh, humble people have true faith. That's what we're saying. If you don't have true faith, that means you're not humble. Okay, that's, that's just the way it is. You're not really humble. Humble people then, they see their need, their inadequacy, they look to God to help them. Here's this woman. She was humble. She believed that God could heal her, that Jesus could heal her, and then she was healed. That's what took place. And I like what Jesus says to her. He's, he's encouraging, isn't he? Daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. Now, now think about this for yourself. You go through life, and, and think about Jesus saying this to you. Daughter, son, your faith has made you well. Now, we know that ultimately it's God that does it, but he wants to say that to us. You are trusting me. Your faith has come through for you once again. Your faith has made you well. I'm encouraging. We continue on. Matthew 9. Another story. 26 to 31. As Jesus, 27. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, crying out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind man came up, to, and came up to him and said to him, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Jesus said. They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, it shall be done to you according to your faith. And their eyes were open, and Jesus sternly warned them, see that no one knows about this. So here we have these, these two blind men. They, too, had heard about Jesus and all these amazing things that he had done. They had heard about him. And now here's Jesus in the area. Again, I said they didn't have the phones. They didn't have the communication. They didn't have the Internet. Tell them he's going to be in. They just, hey, he's in town. He's in town. <laughs> This is our chance. This is our opportunity. So they go following after him, and they're calling out. You know, they're desperate. Have mercy on us, O Son of God. I, I can't help but think that these two blind men had heard about Jesus being the Messiah in the synagogue. I mean, you think about this. They're young. You know, they're growing up. Now they're men. They'd heard about Jesus, and he's coming. Now here he is, not just in Israel. And maybe they'd heard he was traveling on Egypt. He's in our town. I mean, just, this is it. We, we, we got to have, we got to get Jesus to heal us. And so they cry out to him. And they know they don't deserve to be healed. Why? Why? What's it say? What's the key word there? They ask for mercy. They ask for mercy, believing not only that Jesus could heal them, but that Jesus wanted to heal them, okay? And, and, and we're going to... I'm going to try to say this briefly, but there's two components here that, that I just said 
that I mentioned before that I want to say now and try to clarify for you. When you talk about faith, you have the word can and will. Can God do this? Will God do this? Or you can use the words could and would. Could God do this? Would God? The could, the can, talks about his ability. He can do it. God can do it. God can do anything. And the will talks about, will he do it? Does he want to do it for me? That's important to understand. So when you have this faith, you're really, you're you're talking about both elements. You're believing that he can and you believe that he will, okay? And so here are these men, and they believe that he could and they believe that he would. That's what's going on. So always think about it. Never forget this with faith. Can God do it? Sometimes we doubt that he can. Sometimes they doubt that he will. Sometimes, oh, yeah, I believe he, he, you know, he, he could, but will he, or, you know, whatever. So, he, so both, both are, again, are very, very important. So Jesus asked them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And Jesus, and, you know, of course, why is he asking that? He's testing the genuineness of their faith. And, again, this is true for all of us here. Again, I'm talking about this whole message about you and the Lord. And so he's saying to you, do you believe that I can do this? All of you have situations now that are difficult. Every one of you, okay? I know it was a little, you know, small, medium, large. You all have situations. So the point is, do you believe that God can help you? Do you believe that God will help you? Do you believe or not? That, that's what he's asking them. I and mean, he's asking these guys. And they said, yeah, we believe. They believe that he was the Messiah, the Lord, that he was the Son of God. That's what they understood. This was Jesus, the Messiah, the one they'd heard about before in the past, and now he's actually right there in their presence. He's actually talking to them, and they believed. Okay, they believed that, that, that he had the power, that's the can, and the desire, that's the will to heal them, the power and the desire. He could do it, and he would do it. That's where they were at. But notice that Jesus says, It shall be done to you according to your faith, Again, the emphasis here on faith, and so Jesus then heals them on the spot. Now they can see, and he says it's because of their faith that they're healed. And you think about this. There's a whole crowd of people there. I mean, all these people come to town. Jesus is in our town. Let's go see him. Maybe others needed help. But these men, these men wanted to be healed. They asked to be healed, and they believed they could be healed. Important to understand that. That, and that's one theme we, we see throughout, throughout the Gospels, this whole idea of we see different people Jesus talks to, and, and they had faith, and you wonder about the person they were next to, the other person, you know, but he picks out certain people. Okay, now, Jesus does do things in their lives apart from faith, right? You understand that? It's not like every good thing that happens in your life is because you believed him to do it. You, under, you believe that, right? It's not like every day, okay, I'm going to go through these hundred little prayers. God, here, 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 here. No, that doesn't happen. God does things in your life for you apart from your faith. We, We go through life and God blesses us in ways we don't even ask him. Much more than you realize God is good to you and kind to you and you didn't even ask him and oftentimes in unexpected ways. So my wife comes back from the store yesterday. She goes to the store to get some groceries, and, and as for the BOGO raisin bran, you know, buy one, get one free raisin bran, she comes back and she says, you know, this is what happened. She says that they goofed it up. And so, you know, Marsha, she's, she's always, she does, he probably ought to be doing this too. She looks at the receipt, makes sure everything's right, and they got the BOGO like I want. She didn't get it. So she goes to customer service, you know, and Laura's the lady there, and she helps her out. Bottom line, it was a glitch from God because she got the raisin bran, and it shouldn't happen this way, but this way Laura worked it out for her. 29 cents each box, so two boxes for 58 cents, two boxes of raisin bran, okay? God was good. She didn't believe, ask God to do that, okay? That's the way it was. <laughs> and Marcy, she likes to talk to people about good things and stuff. She was talking to the lady there at the self-checkout, you know, and, and, and I think she gave her a blog card, and, and uh, uh, so... She could tell this person's a Christian. So then Marsha comes home. She gets rid of the girl. She put, not get rid of them. She puts them away. She's like, I gotta go back. She says, well, Yeah, this lady, she's really excited about the Lord. So she takes her, some of you ladies at the ladies' meeting, she took her, you know, love verses, you know, that she made for you guys, and she took her promise verse. She had all these verses on the sheets, and she goes back to, to Win Dixie and gives his lady. So 
She wasn't expecting that to happen yesterday morning, but it happened, okay? Or like me, you know, I go to the pool and, and, and you know, I got my lane number one again. I was like lane number one. There's like, you know, all these six different lanes, and I, lane number one is what I like, or four, four lanes. Anyway, and then afterwards I, I, you know, came home, and my sister's birthday, Julie, she's 64 yesterday, and so we talked about the Beatles song, you know, and, and everything got going, but we had a great conversation. You know, a great conversation. I don't talk to her that maybe once or twice a year, but we really are on the same page. And, and she might be a believer. I don't really know. But we had a good conversation. Another good conversation with another person from Iowa, known for 50 years. That was yesterday morning. So, so these are things I didn't pray, but they happened. God was good. But, but here's, here's the punchline. Are you ready? You ready? Okay, yeah, I got that. God wants us to ask him for things. All kinds of things. And the people who are asking him to do things are seeing God do many more works in their lives than those who aren't. So, this is all the people in the world who are Christians, right? Now think about this. Think about this. There's probably, maybe only, I'd say the minority people are really, really believing God, asking God for things every day, and God's doing all kinds of wonderful things in life. Most Christians aren't like that. Most Christians have this little faith, okay? You go along and just go along, and okay, things happen, and God was good there. What we're saying here is that God wants to start, you start asking him for a lot more things. That's what I'm saying. And go from this little faith to this great faith and believe in him every day for the little things, the medium size, the big things. That's what I'm saying is, is this whole message is to stir you to have faith every day. Or the verse, I like the verse Psalm 5 says it well. In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my prayer. You will hear my prayer. In the morning, I will order my prayers to you and eagerly watch. That's Psalm 5, verse 3, 4, 5, someplace in there. So that's it. It's very simple. God wants to do all kinds of things in your life. And you might be older, you might be at home, but maybe you're just praying for all these people. Or praying for things in the country. Or praying for things in our church. Well, I don't know what it is. See, see faith relates to prayer not that you have to have a set time to pray, because you can just be go along in the day, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, somebody pray, and God comes through. We just trust him, okay? So anyway, the, the point is, is, is God wants to use you. So we have this story here. Cry out to God. Ask him to help and believe that he will come through for you. Okay, uh, next story. I'm just going to share this one here. Move it along here. Got to get going. Matthew 14, the story is about Jesus. There's a storm again. And Jesus is not in the boat, but he comes walking along, and Peter sees him. He, you know the story. He gets out, and the water starts walking. Jesus, Peter had a little bit of faith. But you know what happens, right? All of a sudden, he sees the waves. He's afraid. <laughs> he gets afraid. He, he's doubting, and he sinks. And Jesus, of course, had mercy and pulls him out of the water. That's what happened. Again, we see that God is, is teaching Peter to trust him. He put Peter in a difficult situation, and much more than you realize, Jesus is trying to teach you to trust him. Every day he is. Every day. Much more than you realize, he is teaching you to trust him. And so when you think about your life, and I'm talking about whether you're born in the 30s or the 40s or 50s, you have to understand that as a believer, God's been teaching you through the years to to trust him. And, And think about this for yourself. Think about this for your life, and particularly your mind go back to the, to the big events. Well, God is trying to teach me to trust him then. Trust him. That is what he is trying to do. And there's four T words. Get these real quick. First, we're talking about God gives you trials. Trials, James 1 says, are tests, a test of your faith. God gives you trials that are tests to teach you to trust him. Trial, test, teach, trust. Got it? The trial is a test to teach you to trust him. That's what it is. This week, you will have a trial. God is, I guarantee you, you'll all, you can come back next week. We can have a share time if you want. We can all share. Okay, what trials do you have? God's teaching you to trust him. And he knows how to teach you. He knows perfectly well what you're like and what you can handle, what you can't handle, the little trials, whatever. You know, it's just like I'm out, I'm out doing my roses, you know, and, and I get cut or something. Okay. 
okay, Lord, and I say, Lord, heal it up. I mean, I don't like cuts, okay? I don't like when it hurts. I don't like when it bleeds. Okay, God, I know you can heal. I trust you to heal. And then he does. He always comes through, okay? So it can be anything, but I'm just saying this. God is trying to teach you to trust him. Next story. Um, well, let's go to this one, Matthew 15, 21 to 28. Matthew 15, 21 Jesus went away from there, they withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. The Canaanite woman from that region came out, began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer for a word, and the disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away, because she keeps shouting at us. And he answered, said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus was praying hard to get, wasn't he? He really was. Sometimes we feel that way. Hey, Lord, I've been praying about this for the last month. Persevere in prayer. She came out. She came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And sometimes Canaanite women are called dogs, okay? He said, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Oh, woman, your faith is great. It shall be done to you for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. So what's Jesus trying to teach? Just a couple thoughts very quickly here. That Jesus, again, and we saw this with the centurion, but the example is important here. He doesn't do things for us because of our character, because of our color, because of our sex, or because of our age, or because of our race, or because of anything else. Everybody, you're an individual before the Lord, doesn't make any difference. What's your background? What's your like? Forget it. Doesn't make your past? Forget the past, okay? Here you are today. And God wants to help you. God wants to bless you. That's what we see. We have this woman here. She's a Canaanite. She's not a Jew. And most Jews did not like the Samaritans and the Canaanites. They did not like him at all, man. It was not a good scene. And, of course, she was also a woman. You know the story about women back then. Women were second class, third class. A lot of time weren't citizens. So she not only was a Canaanite, she was a Canaanite woman. You know, like the woman at the well back in John chapter 4. Similar situations here. So... But she believed that Jesus could help her. She believed he was the Messiah. She said, hey, you're the son of David. You're the Lord. My daughter's demon possessed. She believed, and Jesus healed her. And then he said that she had great faith. Not a little faith, but great faith. Great faith. Chapter 16, verse 8. I'm going to go through the situation here. Jesus, aware of this, said, you men of little faith, why do you discuss among yourself that you have no faith. He was chastising them in this situation. That's what's going on. Chastising them. Now let's, now let's go to Matthew 17. This is where I want to go. Matthew 16, that is true. He's trying to teach them to trust him. But chapter 17, verses 14 to 17 says, when they came up to the crowd, a man came up to Jesus, falling on his knees before him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. He's a lunatic. He's very ill. He often falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples. They could not cure him. Jesus said, answered, said, oh, you unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. It's not perfectly clear. Is he talking there just to the crowd of people, the ones who aren't his disciples? Are he talking to everybody? I'm going to say he's talking to everybody here, okay? But the point is this, is he's chastising his disciples. He is correcting them. You guys are unbelieving and you're perverted if you don't have faith in me. Yes, Jesus is patient with them. Yes, he is patient, but he wants them to learn, to believe him, to trust him. And here's the point. This is the hard stuff now. It's wrong to not trust Jesus. Jesus is so good so kind, so loving, so patient with each one of you here. And you should trust him. And to not trust him, to doubt him, to grumble, to complain, to worry, to be afraid is not right. It is wrong. It is sin. Okay? All I'm saying is very simple. Recognize that if you're not trusting Jesus, believing him for some particular thing, whatever it goes, whatever it is, you're in sin. Confess it. Confess it. Say, Lord, help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. And so verse 20. 
He said to them, because of the littleness of your faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will be moved, and nothing will be impossible to you. Okay, so the same story here, but just this point here again, the little faith. He says, even a little faith in Jesus, this mountain shall be moved. And the point again is not about you, but it's about him. Talk about little faith in a big God, in a great God, in a God who infinitely loves you. That's how you need to see it. It's not about who you are. It's about who he is. You've got to come back to his character, the character of God. That's, that, that's what helps you then to have this faith. You all have difficult situations. I don't know where you're at in life. Maybe you don't have any mountains right now. Maybe you do have a mountain. But we're talking about even the mountains. Either he'll remove the mountain or he'll dynamite that mountain so you can plow through it. Okay? That's what life's about. Either God takes the trial away or he gets you through it. That's faith. That's faith. One of the two. Okay? Takes it away or gets it through. So you just have to believe this. Second Samuel, Samuel 5, I always like this verse. It's, it's, there is a word, I think it's called Baal, Baal Parism, but it's all about God of the breakthroughs, and God wants to break through in your life. Again, all of us, there's certain things that are stuck in. It could be a personal sin area. It could be a conflict. It could be who knows what. You know, maybe you just worry about this thing all the time. I don't know what it is. God, break through. He wants to do that. Get your eyes off yourself on him. So Mark 9.24. And this is, Mark 9.24 is this, well, about the same time. And, and basically what Jesus said, and this is how I want to close here, is, 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 is the person says, and this is great. And I was talking to my, my daughter, and she said when we talk about faith, this is one of her favorite verses. It says, I do believe. Help me in my unbelief. I do believe. I have a little faith. Just help me have more faith more faith. That's, that's, that's a great prayer. So always think about this. So yes, confess your sin, Lord. I'm sorry for not trusting you. And I do believe in faith shaky at times, but help me. And that's what he wants to do. And so I think part of what we're saying today is that God's teaching you, each of you are his disciple, to have faith, to have more faith, and just know that he takes you where you're at. And you be willing, says, Lord, I really want to learn, have more faith. He'll help you. But something will come up this week, situation, maybe it's the same situation, will come up and, okay, i got to trust you, okay? And, and, and that's what he wants. Things are going to happen that aren't going to feel fun. Use that word fun. Aren't going to feel good. Comes up. Could be something out in the world. Could be something in your own family. Something in your own personal life. Could be some health issue, you know, whatever. God says, have this attitude. I do believe, help me in my Unbelief. So can confess any sin to God, confess any unbelief, and say, Lord, help me to grow. And that's what he wants to do. Just a couple of verses to close. Psalm 62, 8. Good one to think about. Trust in the Lord at all times. The verse in Psalms 37, 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Love the great verse. Trust in the Lord and do good. You know the song we sing. What's the song we sing? Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. So trust in the Lord at all times. Trust in the Lord and do good. Trust and obey. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We bless you. These thoughts from your word about faith. And and Lord, I, I know I've got a lot to learn. All of us do here. But we thank you so much for being so patient with us through the years and, and being forgiving too, Lord, because we will all confess that at times we've not trusted you. We should, and we have no reason not to trust you. You're such a great and loving and personal and caring God and, and help us to have that faith to believe that you can do it and they, that you will do it, Lord. We ask you for this. But again, each one of us here, each one listening on, each one who might read this message, we ask you to help us because this is so important. We can't please you if we don't have faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please you. And so help us, Lord, each one of us, wherever we are at, we trust you to do this. Thank you for this church, those who couldn't make it, those who are not feeling good. I think of the two carols, Lord, pray for them, that you would help them, give them grace through their ailments. Others, too, Lord, that aren't feeling good, Lord, just strengthen us. Thank you for Bethel. Pray for your blessing on their church. Lead them. Lead us, Lord. Just pray you'd 
pray for our country to our leaders. We are to pray for those in authority. We pray for the parents. We pray for the, the pastors. And we also pray for the politicians. And Lord, just lead because things are messy. But we trust you that you're sovereign. We know that you're working for your purposes and glory. So lead us. Use us, God, as we read there, to be flourishing for you, trusting in your unfailing love forever and ever and ever. Amen. A few announcements.